This morning, we are continuing our current message series in the, on the life of Moses. We trust that it will continue to be a blessing to you as we will go over the verses for our passage this morning. Uh, we are focusing today in the 24th chapter in the book of Exodus. It is a, a fairly lengthy passage with 18 verses, but if you are able, uh, let us all stand together for the reading of God's word. I will read all the 18 verses for us in Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 18, where the Bible says, Then God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near nor shall the people come up with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they saw God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud, and to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountain top. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on a mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the power of your everlasting word. We pray that you would minister to our hearts and that you would complete the purpose for which it has been spoken. Bless us now, we pray, as we continue to study the life of your servant Moses and all that you have done and the meanings to us 
here in the New Testament. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This morning, based on these 18 verses in the book of Exodus in chapter 24, our message title for today is Shadows of Good Things to Come. Shadows of Good Things to Come. In this chapter, the Lord confirmed through Moses his covenant of the law with his people Israel. And we could simply concentrate on all the experiences that Moses had in this chapter. But I believe it is important for us to be able to know how we can apply the spiritual lessons from this chapter in our lives as Christians in the church age. I believe it is important for us to be able to discern the message that we gather from Exodus chapter 24 and how it can be applied to our lives as believers in the New Testament. I believe it is important for us to see Exodus chapter 24 through the lens of the book of Hebrews. As the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, for the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, it says it can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, the law can never make perfect those who draw near. No matter how wonderful the events described in Exodus chapter 24 were, they only reflect a shadow of all the good things that God has given us under the new covenant, under the New Testament, as believers in Jesus Christ, as we are going to see. So beginning in verse 1 in our text, the Bible says, Then God said to Moses, then there's an adverb is in relation to what Paul Johnson spoke to us last week from Exodus chapter 19. As you recall, Moses was on the mountain and the Lord descended upon the mountain and the people of Israel, they were able to see a manifestation of God on the mountain. And Moses continued on the mountain beginning in Exodus chapter 19 through the following chapters. Chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, the Lord continues to speak to Moses on the mountaintop. And then, and then we come to chapter 24 today. In verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Of course, Moses had been on the mountaintop with the Lord, and the Lord since then had told Moses to come down from the mountain. Moses would remain on the ground level with the people to confirm the covenant of the law with the people. Then afterwards, the Lord told Moses that he was to come back up the mountain once again a second time, this time not alone, but he was going to bring with him his brother Aaron, his sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel, who were the leaders of their families. Now, I want you to notice that there were three specific levels of fellowship. There were three different levels of fellowship with God. The Bible tells us that the Lord did not tell Moses to invite the people to come up the mountain. The people, they were to remain on ground level. Secondly, the Bible says that the Lord did tell Moses to bring his brother Aaron, his sons, and the elders with him. 
but only to a certain point, only to a certain height. They were not going to come up all the way to the top of the mountain. As the Bible says there, speaking of, of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders, the Lord said that they should worship only at a distance. Thirdly, notice that in verse 2, the Bible says, Moses alone, God said, Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. There were three different levels of fellowship. The people were to remain at the bottom. Aaron, his sons, and the elders, they were to come up the mountain, but only to a certain height. They were to remain in the middle. Only Moses would be privileged enough to go to the mountaintop to be able to have a more intimate fellowship with God. Notice that this was simply a shadow of good things to come to us in the new covenant. This was just a shadow of the closer fellowship that we can now have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the Lord has paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins at the cross. And so now, anyone who confesses their sins, repents of their sins, and receives Jesus Christ and believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are invited to come near. They are invited to a closer fellowship with God. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. And all the people answered and with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. The people who had remained at the fellowship on the ground level, the people were committing their obedience. They were expressing their commitment to the law of God. However, we know that just 46 days later, they will be worshiping the statue of a golden calf as their new God. They abandoned their fellowship with God. They abandoned their fellowship with the Lord. In fact, all that generation, with very few exceptions, all that generation that had been set free from slavery in Egypt, they all perished in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness, because of their disobedience. We have been called to a closer fellowship with God that cannot be broken. We have been called to a closer fellowship with the Lord that can never be broken. The Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 1 in verse 13 that the Lord has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have been sealed by the Lord with a fellowship that cannot be broken with Him. We have been saved and we cannot lose it. The Bible tells us in the words of Christ in the Gospel of John in chapter 10 verse 28 that he has given us eternal life and he says that we shall never perish. But nothing and no one can snatch us out of his hand. We have come to a closer fellowship with God. The fellowship that the Lord introduced to the people, to Aaron, his sons, and the nobles of Israel, the elders. And the fellowship that only Moses was able to have. The three different levels of fellowship, that was just a shadow of the closer fellowship that we have now. Any one of us in Christ Jesus, after we have been saved by the Lord, all believers can come equally into the presence of God. Notice that also Exodus 24 shows us simply the shadow of a greater revelation that we receive in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us in verse 3, Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. 
Remember, Moses had been on that mountain for many chapters in Exodus, as we saw up until chapter 24. The Lord had spoken many things to Moses. The Lord had given him revelation from heaven that he was to pass on to the people. The Lord had spoken to Moses, and Moses spoke all the words of the revelation that God had given him from memory, without writing them down. Moses was able, by the grace of God, to recollect, to recount from memory all the words that the Lord had given him and pass on to the people. He speak them to the people. Great revelation the Lord had given him. But notice in second place, the Bible says in verse 4, that Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, then he arose early in the morning. First, he spoke from memory all the words that the Lord had given him in Revelation. And then he wrote down all the same words, making the book of the covenant, all the revelation that the Lord had given him. And now, after he had spoken those words, he read it once again, all those words to them, through the writing that he had done, perhaps overnight, as he arose early in the morning for that purpose. As remarkable as that was, that Moses received that supernatural memory according to the inspiration that the Holy Spirit gave him to write the scriptures, we have received an even greater revelation. Because Moses gave to the people the written word, we have received the living word. We have received Christ our Lord as the word of God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14 that Jesus, he is the word made flesh. And Revelation chapter 19 verse 13 says that his name is the word of God. Moses was able to give to the people the written word. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 in verse 6 that the law, the letter of the law kills. But only the spirit provides life. We have not simply received the written word, but we have received the living word. Christ Jesus who lives within us. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 in verse 16 that we have the mind of Christ. The word of God lives within us because we have the mind of Christ. We can understand and we can trust, we can obey. We have greater revelation, we have greater access to the revelation that the Lord has given us. But I want you to notice also that obviously the covenant of the law was simply a shadow of a better covenant that we now have in Christ. We have now received in Christ Jesus a better covenant. The Bible says in verse 4 that Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses set up an altar for sacrifices in order to conduct the ceremony to confirm the covenant of the law between God and the people. The altar was representing the presence of God, while the 12 pillars were representing the presence of the people, the 12 tribes of Israel. And notice this beginning in verse 5. Moses sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. The Mosaic Covenant, the covenant of the law, was confirmed through the shedding of the blood of animals. Half 
of the blood of the animals that had been sacrificed, the Bible says that Moses is sprinkled on the altar, representing the presence of God. That God was there to confirm the covenant with the people, the covenant of the law. And the Bible says, but in Hebrews in chapter 9, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. The covenant of the law was confirmed through the blood of bulls and goats and calves. The covenant of the law was confirmed through the blood of animals. But we have come to a better covenant because our covenant has been confirmed through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, as the Lamb of God. The law was representing simply a shadow of the good things to come. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. Christ is the one who has confirmed the better covenant with us by shedding his blood for us at the cross. And I want you to notice this still in Hebrews in chapter 7. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Not only we have a better covenant with God now in the New Testament through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we have also received amazing blessings through the better covenant that we have in Christ. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 24, now in verse 7, it says, Then Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Remember, Moses had already spoken all the words that the Lord had given him to the people. He had spoken the words by memory. Then Moses took the time to write them down, and then Moses repeated yet again by reading all the commandments of the Lord, all the ordinances and all the law to the people. And once again, just like the people had done in Exodus chapter 19, as we saw last week, Exactly like the people had done in verse 3 of this chapter, the people for a third time, he, they confirm once again in verse 7 that they were going to be obedient. Notice this. Verse 8, the Bible says, So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The covenant of the law was confirmed through the sprinkling of blood. The Bible tells us that Moses, he had sprinkled half of the blood of the animals on the altar. And now he took the other half of the blood that had been saved in the basins. And he mixed that blood with water, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19. Probably because some of the blood had become hardened and coagulated. He needed to mix some of the blood with water. And the Bible tells us that he then picked up some hyssop, the leaves of a plant, and he begins to sprinkle that blood mixed with water over the people, over the pillars and over the elders. He is sprinkling all of them with the mixture of blood and water to symbolize that they are agreeing to make the commitment of obedience before the Lord, that they were going to obey the law. We have come to a better covenant with greater blessings because it has not been confirmed through the sprinkling of the blood of animals. The Bible tells us in Hebrews in chapter 10, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have been cleansed not through the sprinkling of the blood of animals. We have been cleansed through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We have been saved from our sins through what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary's cross. He was the perfect sacrifice and he died for us. And notice that the blood of Christ has cleansed us from an evil conscience, meaning that our accusing conscience of our past sins no longer has any hold on us. We have been set free from the guilt of our past sins because the blood of Jesus Christ has granted us forgiven, has granted us grant us forgiven, all forgiveness to us. And the Bible tells us that the blood of Christ that delivers us from an evil conscience, from an, accusing, from an accusing conscience, has given us full assurance of faith. Once we are forgiven by the Lord, we receive full assurance of faith because no longer our conscience can accuse us of being guilty before the Lord. The blood of Jesus Christ has given us complete salvation. We have assurance of faith and we have nothing to fear. And not only we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have also been washed, not by the sprinkling of blood with water, but we have been washed by the pure water of God's word, as the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and we are being sanctified by the washing of the pure water of the word in our lives. The covenant of the law was confirmed through an external ceremony. We, in our new covenant, have received greater blessings, not through an external ceremony, but through an internal change that only God can perform. We have received God's grace. We have received the cleansing from the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are being renewed each and every day through the washing, through the word of God in our lives. Notice this that we also have come to a perfect mediator. Exodus 24 makes it clear that Moses was the mediator of the covenant between God and the people. And as mediator, Moses did this. The Bible tells us in beginning verse 9, Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Notice that Moses had been on a mountain. The Lord told him to come down from the mountain, speak to the people. He spoke to the people the words of God. He wrote them and then he read them again. He performed the ceremony to confirm this, the covenant of the law. And now as the Lord had instructed him, he was the mediator to come back up the mountain a second time, this time not alone, but with his brother, he, there's his sons and the elders. And the Bible says that they saw the God of Israel. Now at this point, someone may say, well, preacher, we as believers in the new covenant, yes, we do have a closer fellowship. We do have a greater revelation. And we do have the blessings of a better covenant. But they saw God. We must understand this, that when the Bible is telling us here that they saw the God of Israel, they did not see the face of God. They saw a manifestation of God. It is clear that they did not see the face of God by what Moses himself says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. And not only that, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, in verse 18, that no one on this side of eternity has ever seen God in all his glory. No one. Therefore, they could not have seen God still on this side of eternity because it would be a contradiction to what the Bible tells us. 
They had a manifestation of God appearing before them. The Bible does not explicitly tell us exactly all the details, what exactly it was that they were going to see. But whatever the vision was, we know this, that they did not dare to raise their eyes to look at it. But they all bowed their heads. And for that reason, they could only see the pavement, the floor that looked blue like sapphire. In reverence and fear of God, they didn't dare to raise their eyes. They could not see and contemplate perfectly the vision of God that the Lord was allowing them to see. Sure, they saw the manifestation of God. We as believers may not have seen that presence of God. We as believers may not have been, may not have been privileged to be able to witness that. But Christ, as our perfect mediator, he has fulfilled his promise that we are indwelt by the presence of God. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that we would have the Holy Spirit abiding within us. We may not have seen the vision of God, the manifestation of God that they saw under that moment in the covenant of the law, but we have the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. If you are saved, if you are a believer in the better covenant, in the new covenant, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 19 that you, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Such grace, such blessing, such privilege we have received as New Testament believers. But the Bible does say that they saw the God of Israel in that manifestation of God that happened. And notice what the Bible says in verse 11. It says, yet God did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God and they ate and drank. Again, when the Bible says that they saw God, we have come to understand that they saw a manifestation of God. They saw a vision of God. Because God himself had already told Moses that no one could see his face and remain alive. We see this in Exodus chapter 33 in verse 20 where the Lord said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And so it is clear, it is obvious that they did not see God face to face in all his glory. And for that reason the Bible says that God did not stretch out his hand to take their lives for seeing him because they had seen a manifestation, a vision of the presence of God. But even so, with Moses as the mediator of that covenant, the Bible says that they ate and drank. The Lord had given Moses instruction as the mediator to bring them up to a certain point, to a certain height on the mountain, and they were privileged to eat and drink in the presence of God. And I ask you, what exactly did they eat and drink? They ate and drank from the sacrifices that had been offered to God during the ceremony for the confirmation of the covenant of the law. From the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, from the burnt meat from the animals that had been sacrificed before God, and from the libation that had been poured upon the sacrifices, they ate and drank from that, and it was a moment of privilege that Moses was used as the mediator to introduce them before God in that moment of communion, in that moment of sweet communion before God. Certainly, it was a tremendous experience, a tremendous privilege that they had to participate in that sacrificial meal. But no matter what, we know that in Christ, we have an even better mediator than what Moses was presenting them that opportunity to partake of that moment of communion before God. 
Because the Bible tells us that they ate and drank from the sacrificial meal. And notice what the Bible tells us in Hebrews in chapter 8. But now he, Jesus, he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. They were introduced through Moses as mediator to that moment of communion before God. The Lord Jesus as the perfect mediator, he has introduced us to an even more privileged communion. Because when you and I as believers, when we partake of the bread and when we drink of the cup, we are not drinking them, we are not eating the bread representing the blood and the body of animals. But when we, drink, but when we eat the bread and drink from the cup, we are drinking and eating from the, what represents the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ who was sacrificed for us at the cross for our salvation. He is the perfect mediator because he is the sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice that has brought us closer to God in our fellowship with him. But we also see in the events in, Ex in Exodus chapter 24, simply the shadows of a spirit-filled faith that we would have as believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in verse 12, Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there. The Lord said, Come up to me, Moses, on the mountain and remain there. Now remember, you've got to follow this. Moses had been on the mountain already for all those chapters in Exodus when God was speaking to him. The Lord told them to come down from the mountain and speak to the people and confirm the covenant of the law. Then God told Moses to come back up the mountain yet a second time, now with Aaron, his sons, and the elders, where they partook of that blessed communion in the presence of God, and they saw a vision of God. Since then, the Lord tells them to come down from the mountain again. And now for a third time, the Lord is turning to Moses and saying, Moses, come back to me up, up on the mountain again. Certainly, God had given Moses strong health and strong legs to keep on coming up and down the mountain that way. It was a third time that the Lord is, is telling Moses that, Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there. I must admit to you, though, that I certainly would like to have the same privilege that Moses had to be able to see that manifestation of God. Wouldn't you want to be on that mountain, too, and be able to see that visible manifestation of God right before you? Yet I am reminded of the words of Christ in the Gospel of John in chapter 20, verse 29, when the Lord Jesus tells Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe me, Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. The Lord is telling us that there is greater blessing in the invisible faith than in the visible event. There is greater blessing in the invisible faith than in the visible event. The Lord has given us the privilege of having a spirit-filled faith. We may not have seen all the manifestations that were seen by the people, by Aaron, by the nobles, even by Moses on that mountain. But praise God that the Lord has given us of his Holy Spirit to abide within us. The Lord has given us a spirit-filled faith through the Holy Spirit within. And I want you to see that the Bible says at the end of verse 12, the Lord told Moses, I will give you, come up to me on the mountain, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction, for the instruction of the people. 
Remember, Moses had spoken all the words from memory. He wrote them down, and then he read them yet once again to the people. And now for a third time, God was saying, I am going to write the commandments myself on the stone tablets. And Moses, afterwards, I want you to read to the people again. I want you to repeat them to the people again for their instruction. You would think that having heard the word of God, the words from the Lord being repeated to them so many times, that the people would have been faithful in their commitment to obey the Lord. And yet they fail miserably just 46 days later. You and I, in the New Testament, with a spirit-filled faith, repetition also plays an important part in our faith. Repetition still plays an important part in our walk of faith. Because you see, there, there are many times that you will hear many messages based on the same biblical passage, based on the same verse. And yet the Lord is always giving you biblical truth, a biblical perspective that perhaps you have heard from that verse a thousand times before, and now the Lord is ministering to you in a completely different way. Repetition plays a, a part in building us, in making us grow in a spirit-filled faith. Even the apostle Peter confirms this. In 2 Peter we, we read, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. I consider, it, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. Repetition, yes, plays a significant part in our spiritual growth. What makes the difference then between us in the new covenant and them in the old covenant when they heard the word repeated so many times to them? The difference is that now we do have the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews in chapter 4 in verse 2 that no matter how many times they heard the word repeated to them, the Bible says it was unprofitable to them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. We hear the word of God and we hear the ministration of the Holy Spirit in our lives through the preaching of the word and brings us to a spirit-filled faith. Why? Because of the presence of the spirit within us, which they did not have. You and I are privileged to live in this time, this dispensation of grace, where God will never be more merciful. We are so privileged to be New Testament believers, to receive the word of God and to have the understanding, to have the mind of Christ in the better covenant so that we may grow in our spirit-filled faith. Remember Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible tells us that faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say just hearing the word, but hearing by the word, which means to hear the word by the Holy Spirit of God who, who lives within us. He is the one who builds us in a spirit-filled faith. But we also know that the events in Exodus chapter 24 shows a shadow of the higher calling that we would receive in Christ Jesus being called as servants of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 24 in verse 13 now, So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. Now for the third time that God was calling Moses to go up the mountain, Moses would not go up alone again. But this time he was going to be accompanied by Joshua. And the Bible says that Joshua was called how? He was called as servant of Moses. He was being trained by Moses to be his successor. He was being trained to be the one who would replace Moses after Moses would be taken by the Lord. 
He will be the one who eventually would lead the people into the promised land as the chosen of God who had received that calling to be the servant of Moses to lead the people to the promised land that the Lord had given to the people of Israel. And as amazing as his calling was, all the blessings and all the miracles that Joshua was able to witness and all that the Lord would do through him, he was called as the servant of Moses. You and I as believers, we have received an even higher calling. You know why? Because we have been called not as servant of Moses, but we have been called as servants of Christ. And not only we have been called as servants of Christ, the Lord Jesus tells us something even more insightful. In John in, in chapter John in chapter 15, the Bible says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made it known to you. We have been called as servants of Christ, and not only that, we are now friends of Christ, called to a higher calling. Joshua was called the servant of Moses, and he was used to lead the people into the promised land. But God, by his infinite grace, he has used me, he has used you, each and every one of us, to lead people into the heavenly promised land through the message of the gospel. You and I have received such privilege, but we have also received such responsibility because it is the Lord who wants to use us, not only as servants of God, not only as friends of God, but as ambassadors of Christ to preach the message of the gospel to those who do not know him. Can you imagine that we have received such a precious calling that we, by the grace of God, can share with people the message that can move them from darkness to light, that can move them from eternal damnation to eternal salvation? It is our higher calling we have received in the New Testament. But as we saw in, the, in, in our previous verse, in verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. I want you to understand that before Moses was called by God on the seventh day, to go up higher on the mountain and be on the presence of God, on the cloud glory of God. For six days, Joshua had been in the presence of God, enveloped by, engulfed by the glory cloud of God. Can you imagine the peace and joy that Joshua was experiencing when he was inside the glory cloud of God with Moses? Such an impressive calling, such a marvelous calling. But we have received an even higher calling, as we have seen, because the Lord has called us friend, and we have been called as representatives of Christ to bring people from darkness into light. I want you to see that we have been introduced to a superior high priest. We see in the verses in Exodus chapter 24, what Moses spoke to the elders of Israel before he went for a third time up on the mountain with Joshua accompanying him. The Bible says that before he went on that trip with Joshua, the Bible says that Moses said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. 
The Bible says that before Moses went with Joshua up on the mountain, he instructed the elders to say that if anyone in the people of Israel would have any issues, would have any matters that needed to be resolved, that they were to approach Aaron and her. Aaron, Moses' brother, and her, probably one of the elders. And it so happened that the people would bring their matters for Aaron and her to solve and to give them their verdict. Their verdict. But I want you to understand that in Exodus in chapter 28, just four chapters after this, the Lord would appoint Aaron to be the high priest, to be the one who would represent the people before God, to be the one who would assume a, high, a highly privileged position where he would be interceding for the people. He would be representing the people before God, and he would be a godly representative before the people. And yet, despite the appointment, despite what was going to happen in Aaron's life, despite the responsibility that he had received from Moses before going up on the mountain of God, Aaron would commit a grave mistake. The Bible tells us that just eight chapters since Exodus chapter 24, in Exodus chapter 32, the people became impatient of waiting for Moses. Moses had been on a mountain for six days with Joshua. And then on the seventh day, as we heard, as we read, God called Moses to the mountaintop, and Moses stayed an additional 40 days on that mountain. So it had been 46 days since the people had seen Moses. And so the people came to Aaron as God's representative, and the people said, we don't know what has happened to this Moses. Build us an idol, make us a God, so that he can lead us. And incredibly, Aaron as the representative of the people before God, and the godly representative before the people, he agreed, and he built a golden calf that became an idol before the people. The elders fell, the people fell into tremendous idolatry and immorality, as the Bible tells us. The, God, the Lord was so angry with Aaron that the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy in chapter 9, in verse 20, that God wanted to destroy Aaron. God was going to kill Aaron. But Moses interceded for him, and God spared his life. We have received, we know that we have received a superior high priest than the fallible ones beginning with Aaron that came through the history of the people of God. Aaron was the first, and there were many other high priests who were representing the people before God, and none of them were perfect. None of, none of them were infallible. None of them were completely perfect in their testimony before God. And yet God, even given grace in the Old Testament, allowed them to continue living as high priests representing the people before him. We have been called to a high priest. We have been introduced to a high priest in Christ Jesus our Lord, that he does not lead us into sin, but he leads us, he leads us into holiness. And not only Christ is our perfect high priest because he leads us into holiness, but also because he lives to intercede for us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews in chapter 7, he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Did you know that even as we speak, no matter what you are going through in your life right now, the Lord Jesus is interceding and praying for you right now as we speak. He is our superior high priest who is presenting our needs, 
who is presenting our prayers before the Father, he's interceding for us. A perfect high priest that can never fail. A perfect high priest who will never leave us. A person, a perfect high priest who will never let us down. And lastly, I want you to see that Exodus chapter 24 points to the fact that the law could only be a shadow of God's perfect plan of salvation through grace alone. The Bible tells us in verse 17, And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Can you imagine? For six days, the people saw the glory of God on that mountaintop that looked like fire was consuming the mountain. And that was a warning message for the people of Israel. Because God appeared in his glory like a consuming fire. And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy in chapter 4, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. It was a warning to the people that they would be faithful to him. However, we know that the law could never be obeyed perfectly. We know that no one could obey the Lord and be saved by complete and perfect obedience to the law. The law was simply, simply pointing to the fact that we needed grace, that we needed a savior. The law enclosed everyone in lostness. The law enclosed everyone as them before God. So that we could all understand that without the grace of God, we could never be saved. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. The law was just a shadow of the fact that we can only be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Only by the saving grace of God can we be saved and can we approach the Lord with the knowledge, with the confidence that we have been forgiven of our sins and we have been saved in our souls. And lastly, in verse 18, the Bible says, Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. What was happening to Moses during those 40 days on the mountaintop? We know, as the Lord had said to Moses, that the Lord was going to write the tablets of stone. God with the finger of God, God wrote the Ten Commandments on those tablets of stone. But what else did God reveal to Moses during those 40 days? During those 40 days from Exodus chapter 25 through Exodus chapter 32, God was revealing to Moses the details of the tabernacle. God was revealing to Moses the detail of the portable temple that the people were going to congregate around and bring their sacrifices and be a witness to the presence of God during the day in the, in the cloud and during the night by the pillar of fire. Even that was just a shadow. God warned Moses that he needed to pay attention to all the details that God was giving him about the tabernacle so that he would build the tabernacle on earth specifically to all those specifications that God had given him because the tabernacle was just a shadow of something even more important. The Bible tells us 
in Hebrews in chapter 8, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. After the tabernacle was built, according to all the details that the Lord had given them, they would day after day present their offerings and their sacrifices to God. And nothing could bring them to a place of perfect obedience and perfect justification before the Lord. That was just a representation of the heavenly tabernacle that you and I are privileged to know, to have the full assurance of faith that we are going to, not because of the sacrifices of animals, not because we are perfect, but because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has introduced us to the perfect tabernacle by his saving grace. Where would we be without the grace of God? And by the way, as we saw that the law is leading people to Christ, was simply a tutor to lead people to Christ, even in the Old Testament, even during those times, salvation was only by grace and by grace alone because the law could not save anyone because nobody could be perfect enough to completely obey the law completely perfectly. There's, there was no one to do so. Only Christ Jesus, our perfect high priest, was able to obey the law in all of its fullness. Even in the Old Testament, they were only saved by God's grace. And even so today, and I pray that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that some way, somehow, that the Spirit of God would convict your soul and make you recognize that it is not about religion, that it is not about coming to church, that it is not about how much you give, it is not about your good works, but it is about what Jesus Christ has done for you at Calvary's cross. When you repent of your sins and recognize Jesus Christ as your Savior and confess Him as your Savior, your soul will be saved forevermore and you'll never be the same again because Jesus Christ will transform you, will save you, will give you the peace that only He can provide to those who believe in Him as Savior. As we saw, there, the experiences that Moses had and the people of Israel had in Exodus chapter 24 they are only shadows of the good things that have already come to us as believers, as Christians in the new covenant. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, Father. We are so grateful for the fact that you have opened our eyes to the message of the gospel. And Lord, we know how marvelous how supernatural and incredible the experiences that Moses and Aaron and the nobles and the people had with you in the Old Testament during that day, during that time, for the confirmation of the covenant of the law. But Father, we recognize that the law could never save us completely, that we could never be saved by perfectly obeying your law. That would be an impossibility for each and every one of us and we thank you, Father, because that covenant of the law was simply a shadow of better things that you would have for us in your plan of salvation through Christ Jesus, our perfect Lord and Savior. We are so thankful for your grace in our lives, for the fact that you have opened our eyes to the message of salvation. May each and every one of us, Father, never take for granted the fact that we are indeed your ambassadors, your representatives, that we have received tremendous privilege and tremendous responsibility May we never, ever miss the opportunity to share the gospel that moves people from darkness to light.
from damnation to salvation. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.